Welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, the bear. It's been a while, my friend. Great to be with you. Thanks, everyone, for listening in on the show, the podcast, or on the radio here in Acadiana. Great to be back. I don't even recognize you. I know. I know. And I do have a hat on today. It's super casual. It's summer. I'm in shorts in the studio, which is rare. Yeah, normally in a three-piece suit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Without two other pieces. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) great to be back, man. You were off at a conference in California. Oh, it was so good. Two weeks ago. And then last week I was in Kansas. How was that? I'm here. It was great. (laughs) We can unpack that. And then this week we're getting some record time and then I'm leaving on a silent retreat. Busy summer, but we're getting this in. A lot of people have kind of texted me, emailed me, talked to me. Hey, missed the show. When's the next podcast going to be uploaded? Yeah. Well, don't worry. It's it's now. It the is. answer is now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, silent retreat like today. Yeah, I'm leaving. When was the last time you did this that? This afternoon. Well, um, all transparency. I should do one every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I have done a smaller retreats each year, but I, I haven't done a silent. This is going to be four or five days or something. Silent retreat spiritual direction, whatever, since 2019. Now, look, every time I try to book it or whatever, now, like I said, I've had some weekend retreats, smaller things, you know. But in the last four years, we've married a child. We've graduated, you know, one from college, two from high school. Like, you know, we've just – life has just been crazy. Yeah, living life, man. And so my wife, we just like this summer, we looked at it. We're like, we're nailing it down. Oh, and she's doing one too. She went on a retreat last week, and then I'm going on it this week, and then we're just we're just doing it. You know, sometimes you just have to make a decision. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. you're supposed to do something. If you overthink it, you might talk yourself out of it. That's right. You ever been there? Oh, yeah. So then you just pull the trigger. I'm I'm going. Put it in the calendar. It done. Like no excuses. Because as it got closer. I started thinking of like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe this isn't the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I got a lot of other things going on. No, I'm going. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's in the calendar. I paid for it ahead of time. They get you, man. <laughs> which is good. So she made hers. Yeah. When she got back, was she like just talking up a storm, or did she ease into it, like just kind of quietly? No, I mean she. Um, she and I got some time because like, she wanted to share like her notes and her mm-hmm. journal, and, it's, and that's cool. Just like what God, you know, did in her heart. And her that's life awesome. And, yeah, through the retreat. Good for her. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I think so. I have to go on retreat every year as a cleric, but I think the typical rhythm of a retreat that you're describing is like every few five years, maybe for like a typical family layman is very busy, mm-hmm. and then these other retreats like you're describing. So, like, what we do now is go on a um, every other year family retreat right. that we love. Yeah. And this year will be a family retreat. I'm really looking forward to it. We what? haven't picked the spot yet, but You're just going. this fall. Yeah. Yeah, this fall. We're going to okay. take, like, four days. Um, last time we went to the EWTN Shrine in Hansville, okay. which was perfect. Yeah. Um, we may do that again just because it was so perfect. <laughs> like, yeah. Because there's a house you can stay in near there, and we would take turns going to the shrine and then praying and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. It was just perfect. So nice. we might go there again, but might uh, go somewhere else. But um, anyway, and then last year I went to Clear Creek Abbey in uh, in Oklahoma, which is a great silent retreat spot. I mean, you can be 
pray a lot, eat eat well with the mm-hmm. monks, and and uh, get a lot of silent time. And it, it's awesome, man. Like the the first day and a half, you kind of detox. But after that, like detox from noise, from conversation, from having to think about a million things. Right. And then you're a day and a half in, at least for me, and you're actually able, you're well rested, you're able to pray, your mind is clear. I mean, some just beautiful time with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, retreats are important. I mean, we have a whole ministry for retreats. You know? That's right. You we, believe in We do these renew <laughs> retreats, which if, you know, you can find out more information on those, but they're small group retreats. You get away, you rest, and, and you enter into the sacraments, prayer, at community fellowship you know whatever marriage men and women's retreats you know and i've done some myself right weekend retreats get away but this is an extended time we all need that time of rest and away and kind of a reboot of our spiritual life our our prayer life our reconnection with god i mean life's busy and hectic and chaotic and yeah we can have a rhythm of prayer in our life and the sacraments but there is something uh that the church even for clergy is saying no you it's required for you to get away on retreat why because we all need it Mm -hmm. you know we we need to recover reset reboot whatever it is in our spiritual life i mean you know uh, the saints have been talking about this for centuries like it, it is it is part of sort of this spiritual journey i mean jesus did it in in the desert i mean he would go off into the garden like these are ways that he he even modeled not only prayer but retreating away I mean, every relationship needs that, that extended time of reconnection. Families need it. They go on vacation or they figure out some other way to spend some extra time together. Right. Everyone, you know, yearly or more. We need it as humans. I mean, relationships have those different dimensions to them. There's the everyday relationship we have with people, but then we need that extended time. Um, so we should be praying every day, obviously. Yeah. And we say this for married couples, too, like getting away together. Yep. Yeah, leisure, and and you, and you get away from from the hectic of work and and even like kids, but retreating together is beautiful. You just reconnect emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, and yeah, I mean it's it is extremely important. Like you said, like every relation need every every relationship needs that sense mm-hmm. of getaway, that sense of retreat. You know, it's interesting because this Sunday's reading we're in ordinary time, uh, and the gospel this Sunday. I think fits perfectly in this. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that like how we all feel, you know? And it's almost like as I'm projecting out going on a silent retreat is just like as I'm getting there and as I land there is just like starting to like lift things off of my plate, shoulders, mind, heart, and just, you know, slowly just handing it back to God, things yeah, that I've yeah. taken on to myself. Come to me, all you who labor and burden. I will give you rest. Yeah, I mean, does he does he mean what he says or not? <laughs> so, how do we rest in the Lord? Well, we have to like really carve out the time to do that. You know, take my yoke upon uh, upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in part, and you will find rest again for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, you can't retreat without rest. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, and rest is uh, is more than just non-activity. And that's one of the... It's funny when, like you said, he means what he says, right? Like the Lord actually teaches very clearly in the Gospels exactly what he's about, everything he's about. And um, he's about giving us rest. But he also talks about giving us eternal life. Hmm. These are not two different ideas. It's actually the same thing. 
He's talking about giving us himself. Hmm. And we, we even call heaven, what, eternal rest. Grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them when right. we pray for the dead. Yeah. Because rest is not inactivity. It's actually the most activity, which is to know and love God. Hmm. Our soul was made for that. It's the type of thing that happens when, you know, let's say, um, you ever put in new batteries in something? Like, let's say a remote remote or something. I don't yeah. know. What do we have batteries in these Yeah, days? little remote control cars yeah. or flashlights. <laughs> right. or Like, it just fits just right. right? Yep. They make it for AA, AAA. You put it in. Um, that battery is in some sense at rest, but now it's actually doing what it was made to do. It's mm-hmm. sending the electricity throughout the thing. It's at rest doing what it was made to do. And we were made to be in heaven. You know, it's like heaven has this little spot for me, just for me, like a double A slot, Adam, well, an AC slot, let's say, Adam mm-hmm. Kong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's wait, like I want to be there, but when I'm plugged in, it's not like I'm not doing anything. I'm doing what I was created to do. I'm worshiping God. I'm knowing God. I'm being loved by God. Um, like a battery that's in operation. So that's rest for us, yeah. to be known and loved by God and to love him back. Um, mm. And that is eternal life for us. That's both rest and activity. So anyway, when we're on retreat, there's an opportunity to be who God created us to be as simply as possible, just to be loved by him. Right. You know, and not have to carry the, the burden of the world for that moment, um, but to take only the yoke of being known and loved by God known and loved by God through Jesus Christ. Yeah, we don't rest well as a culture. We're busy, lots mm-hmm. going on. You know, we work, and, and all those things are, sanct- are are sanctifying. Work can be sanctifying. Obviously, our vocation is sanctifying. You know, we, we, we're called in, to bring God into everything, right? Mm-hmm. But rest is essential. God rested on the seventh day. Like, the Sabbath is a rest, but a retreat is a way to, to really recover, as well to you know recover your identity re- get through the burden the the all the things you're carrying put it all down and just be vulnerable with the lord and reconnect in a relationship that's that's going to sustain you mm-hmm. right in your labor in your work in your vocation right and you do it i do it we should all in some way, shape, or form. It's, it's interesting when I tell people when we retreat or went on a retreat or even we went on a marriage retreat, it's like there's a certain, like, fear factor around going on a retreat for mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Like, like what, what's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Right. Like, you're not going to leave a retreat worse off, you know? You're only going to re- leave a retreat better off, like, more rested, more prayerful, more connected with who you are, or who God is, you know? So, like... I don't know what the fear factor is. Maybe like, you know, like what are they going to, what's going to happen to me or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but we have to put those fears aside, you know, and just enter into it. Like, you know, so this Sunday as we're reading the gospel and we hear it at mass, like, like just sit in those words of Christ, like, and, and pray with those, you know, like come to me, all you who labor and burden. That's all of us. He, he, I don't think he's speaking to a, a chosen few. Like, I think he's saying everyone is, like, labored and mm-hmm. burdened, right? Like, we all—this right. is the human oh, yeah. condition. So he's not saying, like, those of you who aren't labored and burdened, don't worry about this. Yeah, but. I'm not talking to you right now. <laughs> like, don't worry. This isn't for you, right? Yeah. I will give you rest. Like, it's so interesting. Like, that's the chosen word he uses, rest. Mm-hmm. Like, he could use anything. He could have put any word there, rest. And he says it another time, you know? Um he says, you know, 
I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves in him, like in this relationship with him, because he's the one that actually carries our burdens, the yokes, like he's the one. And we have the hardest time surrendering those things to him, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. let me hand you my career. Let me hand you my finances. Let me hand you my marriage. Let me hand you the details of my life. And yeah, I need to enter in and, and do my part, but I, I'm not made to carry the burden. You are. That's what it says. Yeah. Well, you know, attention is a tricky thing. Human attention. You may, you may have thought about this a time or two. But like what we keep our attention and focus on. It's really as a, tricky. As an ADD person, yeah, I, I can get that. Well, it's it's so humbling to admit, all of us, whether you, whether we are diagnosed with ADD or not, like all of us to admit our attention is fickle. Hmm. Like it's really hard to keep our attention on the thing we know we should be keeping it on. Um, that's fallen humanity. Right. When our attention is on the burden, it's like we we lose the rest. And even though we love the Lord and we're, we're striving to do the good thing, we want to do it all with him, for him. But when our attention is on the burden, that's one of the most exhausting experiences. Hmm. When our attention is on him and his yoke, yep. there is a lightness to that. But we could be doing many things, right? Like we could be doing it all. And so over time, living life, we can focus too much on the burdens. Hmm. As good Christians, I'm not saying this is like, it's just really hard to focus on the important things. Yeah. And so attention through a retreat, through an extended time of just focusing on Jesus at mass, praying this at communion time, right? Our attention is just on him. That's, that's so necessary. Yeah. Because yeah. We, we can't just imagine we're going to plow through our day, pun intended, plow through our day, uh, getting it all done. And that our attention is not going to be wounded. Our ability to stay attentive is not going to be wounded. Because every time we take it off of Jesus, it's like our attention is, is, is wounded. Hmm. And it needs to be healed by bringing it back to Jesus yeah. over and over and over. Yeah, I met uh, in Kansas. I was doing a leadership conference for Life Teen. And it's juniors and seniors in high school. So I come out of retirement to do this, right? <laughs> Quote, unquote. Like, like Michael Jordan for youth the third ministry. time coming out of retirement. Uh, but it was cool. It was a good week. But I met this priest from Costa Rica. Oh. Um, no, sorry. Colombia. He's from Colombia. Third world, you know, top country in South America, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, not top, like like at the top. Geographically, geographically, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's um, come for the summer to do life team camps, and he's learning, uh, bringing this all back to to bring youth ministry into Colombia. Nice, yeah. So, uh, the city that he lives in of nine million people, the city, the city has nine million. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so the city is three dioceses. Think about that. Mm -hmm. There's three dioceses in one city. It's a big city. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like that's crazy. Okay. Now, you know, there's a lot of poverty there and whatnot. And he was, uh, he was sharing the story how there, there's a, a, like a retreat center there that, you know, he felt like the Lord wanted him to do a youth camp. And he's like, I'm just going to do it. I don't have the money, I don't, you know, anything, but I'm going to do it. And he had it all like he was planning. He had people, he had everything and he didn't have any money. And it was it was like a week before people were like, Are we still doing this? He's like, The Lord told me. Like we're supposed to do this. And he was like, Finally, I was just like, Lord, this is yours. You want this to happen, you have to make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. This you know, like I just handing you the burden. It's your burden to carry, not mine. Right. Like you you wanted this. And he's telling me this story. 
name is Father Geronimo. You're um, kidding. No. That is the best. Now, in Colombia, it's Geronimo. Oh. Geronimo. But here, it's Geronimo, that's, which is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, I hope he, his ministry thrives there. I, I really do. And he he said the night before the camp was supposed to start, he was at, at dinner, and he was talking to this woman, and... She was like, so what are you doing? And she's like, he's like, well, I have this camp tomorrow and you know, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I'm just kind of waiting for the Lord to provide, but it's tomorrow. And, uh, she's like, Oh, I'll help. And he's like, okay. And she's, and he's like, with what? She's like, I'll pay for the whole thing (laughs) the night before. Wow. Right. And he was just like reminded of the prayer of like, Lord, this is yours. This is your burden. Mm-hmm. These are your kids. You want this, like, make it happen, you know? Man, that's so <clears throat> inspiring. And, okay, so you've been in the situation of planning a big youth event, right? And sure, or any event, yeah. Or any event. And you've seen <clears throat> you've seen what it looks like to where you plan well for everything and, like, it's all accounted for. Okay, we, t- we had a budget. We used the budget. This is where it came from. It all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's a certain peace, satisfaction, I don't know. When when things go well because they were playing well and they, they go off like they're supposed to, there's a certain peace to that. But it's nothing like the joy of what you just described. Where like you desperately needed something Total from Jesus. Trust. Total and then he showed up in the last second. Right. And that's the joy that you can't you can't mimic. Right? Like we either give it all to Jesus and let him handle it, or we handle it ourselves. And it's not like it's a bad thing to be prudent and plan. But there's you don't you don't tell a story about that to a person you meet no. in Kansas, right? Like you don't tell the story of that time that you planned it and it all went well. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? You right. tell the story about how Jesus came in and saved your life. Totally. The last minute Jesus came in, you know. And I think that's the whole point of like, you know, the burden is like there has to be a conversation. Like, Lord, you know, what's my role to play in this? Well, just mm-hmm. trust me. Uh work harder. You know, like whatever mm-hmm. it is, like if it's not coming out of the conversation, then we just take control over everything. Yes. You know? All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Deacon Bear. Hey, hey, hey. Paul George in the studio. Um, we're back in action. A couple totally of weeks back. off. How was San Francisco, California? Where'd you go? Pasadena, California. Okay. And um, weather was nice, I bet. <laughs> a good break from the heat here. Oh, my goodness, yes. Well, mm-hmm. I came back to the, you know, 115 degree heat index, whatever. But uh, no, it was amazing. The weather was great. The conference was even better than mm-hmm. the weather. Nice. Um, there's a lot of good things happening out there. There's a lot of good people. Been working for years and years, doing the right things. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is like a like a classical school conference or Catholic. Yeah, school. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's see. The tagline was um, 
for the renewal of Catholic education and culture. Gotcha. Right? So as people around the country have been interested in that for a while, renewing yeah. Catholic education and culture, and just hearing what they're doing, uh, the great things happening, meeting these laborers in the vineyard, very, very great. I have a lot of hope for the future of Catholic education in America. Nice. Mm-hmm. And y'all are kind of thinking about starting a little classical school. In we Santa are. Maryville. Yeah, we're starting a school uh, in fall of 24, okay. Mari Stella Classical Academy. And, um, you know, that there's just a lot of great opportunity now. Because, you know, it's kind of like you were talking about Life Teen earlier. Uh, when you're pioneering something, like let's say in those early days of Life Teen, which you were a part of, uh, you know, this this youth ministry movement, right? Mm-hmm. Like is a lot of ways pioneering in the church. Now, the church has been in youth ministry since the beginning, but but that type of youth ministry to address the specific type of teenagers we have today mm-hmm. was pioneering. And I bet if you started a youth program today, it would look different than what you would have started 30 years ago. Yeah. I would bet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's awesome about mm-hmm. this uh, movement of Catholic education, specifically classical in the country, is it's it's still kind of in the pioneer phase, but it's starting to grow up a bit. Yeah. And so uh, the opportunity to start a new school with the wisdom of, let's say— A lot say, more resources, yeah. knowledge. Yeah, exactly. So I got to hang out with all these pioneers. It yeah. was, was kind of like going to a Life Team conference today yeah. maybe where like you're meeting people. And even the this. earliest days of, of youth ministry movement, before my time, yeah, people would go back and be like, yeah, we learned a lot. The hard way. Right, exactly. You know, and so, like, we would go back and do it differently, or they would teach others better or differently. Okay, uh, we didn't get around to it in the first segment, so do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? This is hilarious. I don't even know what to make of this. I never know what to make of what you come up with. I don't know if you've fine. seen this, but last, uh, the end of last month, June 30th, <laughs> the smallest handbag in the world, which is smaller than a grain of salt. This is okay. This, this is, is real. The smallest handbag. How can you call it a handbag? Well, that's part if, of the debate. If can you, you call it that? Cause you can't really open it, but it was made by Louis Vuitton who apparently people tell me makes, makes nice bags. Yeah. Louis Vuitton bag I've heard is like a, yeah, super expensive now, did he make it under like a microscope, like yeah. as a, like a little model? Yeah, and uh, it sold for a lot of money. It Wait, w- so a grain off. of salt? Mm-hmm. So you can't see it? No, you could. It looks. There's a picture of it on a finger, and it looks like a little green. It's green, just like a little green piece of salt. That's what it looks like. Okay, like a sprinkle. Like a sprinkle. Like if you had like even smaller m- than one sprinkle. green sprinkle. Even smaller than that, yeah. Smaller. Yeah. Okay, so somebody sold it? They auctioned it off uh, in New York. How do you not lose this? Is it in like a little relic case? Like, you know how you would keep a relic in yeah, a little... Yeah, like it'd have to be a very small case. Okay. You want to guess how much it sold for? No, I don't actually. <laughs> $63,750. Mm, for a grain of salt. For a grain of salt made by Louis Vuitton. That when you zoom in, it is actually in the shape of a handbag. It really is. And it has his initials on it, LV. Now, how did he make that? Like, so <laughs> tiny, a grain, like a little... How is a great question. Okay. I think why is also a great, <laughs> a great question. <laughs> They're all, all the questions <laughs> are appropriate at this moment. But I made $63,000 on that. Mm. So I guess you didn't see that. If you would... Okay. Yeah. 
Would you spend $63,000 on something that was had was useless, but it was like important to you? I mean, obviously, I don't know this person. Maybe it's an investment. They'll resell it one day and it'll be worth more money, you know, but like. It would have to be like, you know, a, a piece of wood from a chair that Jesus built. Like for you, it would be something spiritual. Oh, yeah. nothing. Like, nothing's worth that much money that's not spiritual to me. To you. Right. Right. I mean, maybe like family stuff, like if my great-grandfather, but even then, like if he built a tiny little handbag <laughs> from like 200 years ago, great-great-great-grandfather, whatever, I wouldn't spend 63000 I'd spend like 200 Right. But yeah, but I mean, okay, just pretend. Yeah, I get it. Like everybody's $63,000 probably to this person is like $200. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if it was like Jesus's handbag that he built, hmm. I'd I'd spend what I could on that. Yeah. Know, to get Jesus's handbag. That's so weird, man. Like I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I'm trying to think if you know. It's interesting. You know, we we're talking about like, um, come to me, all you who labor, and like just hand your burdens to the Lord. Like there is a sense of like. It's something that I've been wrestling with in my own life, like probably over the past, I would say like five or six years. I just made up years, but like it just mm-hmm. seems that long because I don't count, you know? Yeah. My life's all blended together right now anyway. Right. <laughs> but this like this idea of like detachment, and I think there is a sense of like for us to hand over something to God, like our burden, we have to detach from it. We can mm-hmm. attach to our own burdens. Mm-hmm. We we can identify with our own struggles or patterns of behavior, attitudes, and and we are so attached to those that because they they're part of our you know quote unquote identity that we are afraid to even hand those off to the Lord. Yeah, and a lot of that the Lord didn't even ask us to carry. Right? I mean, I I could be wrong. I would assume. Um, that the person who spent $64,000 on a tiny handbag didn't consult the Lord about it first. Maybe he did. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe the Lord's like, it's I a good am. investment. In <laughs> 10 years, you could resell it for 120000 Double your investment. Maybe, right? But I know in my life, there are often times that I take on a, a burden or make an investment that the Lord didn't even ask me to do. Didn't even. Didn't even consult with him. Yeah. But and it's interesting because like it. when we talk about handing our burdens to the Lord... Um, do, do we pick and choose which ones we want to hand? Mm-hmm. Like, are we selective? And do we hold on to ones we're just not willing to let go of? And that's that's something that we have to look at. Yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah. Like, which... Because there are certain ones that are easy to let go. Yeah, Lord, like, take that one. Like, I don't even like it. But there are right. certain burdens that we are like, no, man. Like, I work a lot, and I'm not, and I'm not changing. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I I value things, and I'm not I'm not gonna like talk about it. Uh, I don't want to work on my marriage. So I'm just not handing that one to you. I am, you know, have this pattern of whatever sin or whatever drinking a lot or over this or whatever, and I just don't want to. I just don't want to let go of it. I'm gonna hold on to it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Well, the list of deal breakers. But in any relationship, um, the the closer the relationship is, the lower that list, list needs to be. Right. Right? Like you and I, 
you probably unspoken deal breakers. Like if I, I don't know, do something horrible to you and your family, whatever, like we might not be friends anymore. Yeah. This is a deal breaker, Adam. You came over and burned our house down. I don't know if we should be friends anymore. I'm just saying. But between you and your wife, the list of deal breakers needs to be pretty much one. Yeah. And then with, with the Lord Jesus, I mean. Yeah. So if we go in with lists like, okay, we can we can do this as long as you don't make me get rid of my sixty four thousand dollar handbag. <laughs> right. Jesus, when you ask for that, Jesus, yeah, it's over. Right. It's not going to work like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the Lord like is like forceful. He's like, like hey, I'm going to take this and you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I'm going to take it and you're going to find rest. Right. Exactly. Like he didn't say like give me your burdens and you're just going to like you're going to be empty. <laughs> in life you know like like the alternative that he is offering is much better than the burden that we're carrying exactly like that's like that that's the thing but the f- interesting thing is we would rather carry the burden than the alternative of what he's offering sometimes yep i want to do it my way this is how i always do it i don't want to do it differently this is what i want to live with you know and I mean, I'm I'm just as guilty, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Well, in your uh, book, Holy Grit, you have a chapter on the great Saint Augustine. Yes, but this is something he discovered as like the main difference maker in his life is that he spent so much time loving creatures, carrying burdens that the Lord didn't ask him to carry, but they they're wonderful, they're good things in and of themselves. Yep. But when he finally came to love the creator and not the creature, he did find rest. And his famous line, of course, you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in in you. Right. And there is a a constant reminder in the spiritual life. This is not a one and done thing. It's not like, oh, I'm baptized now or, oh, like I accept Jesus in my life now. Like I'm done with that idea. We will constantly want to find rest somewhere, and we have to keep telling ourselves our hearts are restless when they're chasing after microscopic handbags. Hmm. Like, that is a restless heart, looking for something. Hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) I wonder if it's more valuable because it's microscopic than if it was an actual handbag size. I would imagine that same bag, full size, is not 64,000. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But it's not that impressive of a bag when you look at it. You know what I mean? It looks like basically a Walmart bag with an LV on it. But, you know, it's impressive that it's so small. But mm-hmm. point being, the whatever that person's looking for, I don't think they found it when they finally bought it and got the receipt and they said... I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I, I bought this bag for $63,000. It's useless. I can show it off to my friends. But it didn't fulfill, like, this purpose mm-hmm. or desire. Right? Right. Yeah. You can't rest in that bag. No. You just get more restless. Yes. You know? Right. Unless the Lord actually asked you to buy that bag. But then it's his bag. And that's the whole point we were bringing up earlier is that the burdens that are tied to us, if we're t- if our yoke is Jesus' yoke, he will ask us to do things, right? He'll ask us to take on certain burdens, mm. but never without him and never disconnected from our relationship to him. And that's when his burden is light. The burden's so heavy when we take these things that he never asked us to take hmm. and invest in things he never asked us to invest in. That's true. It gets heavy. 
Yeah, I guess so. Like, you know, the whole point is to be in communion with God, to be in relation, to be in communication with him about this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Lord, like, man, I got a lot on my plate right now. Like, what do I do? Like, okay, well, surrender hand to me. Okay, well, what's my role, though? Well, still wake up every day, do your best, mm-hmm. but you have to trust me. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, it's not like, okay, I can't, I can't go on retreat and not come home. I mean, I guess I could be like, he, <laughs> he took a nap and never woke up. Like, you know, like, I guess that's possible, you know? So like, I'm going to rest and recover, but I, ha- I have to eventually go back and do my job. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I have to like be engaged with my family, my wife, and then like go to work. Right. Right. So but not without him, not without yeah. him. So like, I'm, I am re-engaging in a deeper way so that he can be a part of my every day. That's right. And that I can have this conversation with him and be like, okay, Lord, like my, my, my life's busy. It's hectic. Oh, I, let me just, let's work together on this instead of let me just taking on the whole burden. Exactly. Right. You know, in marriage, like, um, you share the burden. Right? Yeah. Like you share the burden of your vocation. You share the burden of house chores. You share the burden of raising kids. It's a shared burden, right? Mm -hmm. It's a communal shared burden, which makes it lighter than carrying it yourself, right? Totally. And when marriages struggle, the other person oftentimes feels like they're carrying the full burden of something, you know, and the other person just basically took it off their shoulders and put it on the other. Well, what's amazing about the Sacred Heart of Jesus is that he he really can carry all the burdens. All of them. So he's not afraid of that. It reminds me of, um, so I've done some stupid stuff in my marriage. Yeah. But my wife is like a saintly woman. She puts up with a lot very gracefully, but also in a challenging way. Like, mm-hmm. she, you know, like what were you thinking? Right. Um, so I can give you like countless stories of that, but one in particular has to do with burdens. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few times in our marriage where I brought home an animal that someone was giving away, <laughs> needed a home. And you just took it on. And uh, I just show up with this animal. Didn't ask. And then I have to go back to work. So, like, you know, at lunch, this happened a couple times, actually. Like, at lunchtime, I run home, say, hey, here's this dog. Hmm. And uh, then I leave and go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> <She's> <laughs> Which, when you say it out loud, sounds ridiculous. It right? sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was so patient in that really stupid behavior and worked with me on that. But I just brought a burden into her life that she didn't ask to carry at all. You know, that the Lord, I don't think was, it wasn't a mutually shared burden. Like, Hey, let's adopt this dog together. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But God does the same thing with us like all the time. I mean, today I'm going to decide to bring burdens into our life, Mm -hmm. me and God's life, right? Like into our relationship that he didn't ask for. He doesn't want, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to bring it in because I'm, I don't know. I'm, I just can't stay focused, right? I, I see a handbag and I want to buy it. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to buy a handbag. But point being, yeah, um, shiny objects in the world, these creatures that St. Augustine was talking about, like I'll, I'll go after them all day long and then bring them into my relationship with God. Now mm-hmm. God has to deal with that. Right. But he's willing to do it. That's a good point. He's willing to do it, but it's far better for me to talk to him first mm-hmm. and say, God, is this a good idea? Yeah. Gretchen and I talk a lot about this in our own marriage, but then in the marriage, like retreats and things we, we do with couples is I, we talk a lot about mutual agreement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like when you make decisions, you discern things, 
mutual agreement is key. Like you have to mutually agree on the same thing because at the end of the day, you're sharing the decision. You're sharing the burden of the decision. It right. could be a tough decision, right? We job change, a move, a financial shift, a, a this or that. And it's like, if you, if you make that decision on your own, the other person is just like you said, you're dropping the burden and they didn't ask to be a part of it. Like, so mm-hmm. they're, they're carrying something that, that you just decided, right? Mutual agreement is you agree to carry the burden together, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what the outcome is, you look at each other and say, we decided this together, right? Yeah. To have a child, adopt a dog, uh, <laughs> you know, go on foreign mission, you know, move, uh, retire, whatever. We're mutually agreeing. And when it gets hard, you're like, hey, we did this together. Maybe we should, you know, let, let, let's make another decision, you know, to get out of this, whatever, you know, so maybe y'all, you know, and it's not like you, you don't make mistakes because you can always make another decision. So you and your wife right. can get together and say, hey, this dog's not working out for us. What should we do now? Oh, well, let's bring it and find a better family to adopt it. Well, her decision was to leave the front door open for long enough to where it went out and then said, oh, shoot. It never came back. And that's what happened. Somebody else found it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was her solution. Yeah. Smart woman. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. You can always make another decision. And that's why God's so patient with us. Right. Yeah. He's patient with us. But he's also waiting for us to learn the lesson. He's teaching us the lesson that if you come to me first, mm-hmm. if you're labored, heavy burden, come to me. Let's talk about life. Right? Find rest in the fact that I love you so much. I've already thought about your life from beginning to end. Like, I know a plan for you. Yes. And if we can just talk about that before you go out and carry your burdens today... Basically, stop doing everything on your own. Yeah. Which is like our nature. So, you know, but we are more at rest when we share the burden and the Lord enters into our life to carry, to share that. You know, we're, we're called into this shared life with God, right? Yeah. Right? This is what we're created for. So we find the most rest and peace when we're sharing in this life with him. Right. You know. Because the life really isn't about the dog or the handbag or whatever the burden is. The life is about him. Mm. That's why we're created. Yeah. And just like marriage, right? Like marriage is not just about those thousands of decisions you're going to make together to get them all right. That's not what it's about. It's about sharing the life of marriage together. Right. Yeah, there's no deal breakers with God, but mm-hmm. we we can have deal breakers with ourselves, like what, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can just push him away and just be like, I'm carrying these. I don't want to surrender them to you. Yeah. And that's how we stiff arm God in our life. He's, he's not going anywhere. That's right. We're just kind of keeping him at arm's length, which that's is right. what we do well. You know, it's like you coming over. I don't know, you know, burning my house down, like you said. It's <laughs> sort of a deal breaker, man. Like, I love you, but I think this is it. I think we're done here. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know where this that's went south. <laughs> I mean, you did mention on a podcast once randomly. I didn't think you would actually do it. I didn't. Yeah, I thought we were friends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. It would probably be the last episode that week that we record together. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess if people know that we never come back to the show, what happens? <laughs> like, if we never come back, you'll know Adam just, he just. Check the headlines. He just. Who got yeah. arrested. Yeah. Sperm. <laughs> Burned my, he ruined our he burnt our friendship down basically. That's right. Yeah. But God's never like that. No, God God's not like that. No. He totally could have been, but he's not. 
Well, and that's the, that's the amazing power of the cross is like God could have saved us so many ways, but he saved us in such a way where there's no doubt that there's no deal breakers. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. there's nothing he's not willing to do. Right. He he did everything. 100%. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, the Bear. In studio, back after a couple of week hiatus, we were both working just out of town, and good to see you. Good to be back. Yes, it is very good to be back. You know? And to the whole podcast radio family, <clears throat> it's good to be back again. It is nice to take a break and then have people ask, what happened? What What happened? happened? I know where, they're disappointed. Where were you? But like that that's the only way we even know people are out there. Well, you know what I love about people is that they they are very affirming of us being able to take some time. Like we can't, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, I mean, most you know, I think yeah. people understand that people need a break and rest, and, and that's part of life. It's good. Yeah. Well, it's not like we were out on the beach either. Like we were both <laughs> doing stuff. Which wouldn't be bad. No, I love the beach. You know, wouldn't be a bad thing. Correct. Okay, one of the things we haven't gotten around to is a weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. That's weird. No, you're weird. I don't know why Catholics are so weird. We're about to find out. Weird Catholic stuff! I have no idea what you're going to talk about today. That's right. Um, yeah, so... I do know this. To interrupt you, uh-huh. in the last two weeks, there's been a lot of cool saints that we haven't been able to talk about. Well, that's one of them that we're going to talk about today. But it wasn't that long ago as yesterday, the Feast of St. Maria Goretti. Yes, yes. Now, I wouldn't know. Uh, let's just call it weird because there's, there's some weird things that happen. But it's just a story that needs to be told and told and told that people, I think, would find intriguing. You know, I didn't know... A lot, and I'm still learning. But about I've never even, I never even heard of Saint Maria Goretti till we moved to Phoenix in '97. There was a parish named mm-hmm. Saint Maria Goretti, and I was like, "That is a beautiful name of a church." Who is Saint Maria Goretti? And so I read about her, and pretty impressive, crazy, well, the, sad, good, all the things, all the things. Well, the weird things I'm gonna focus on not so much about her. But the man who killed her. Okay. Well, catch everybody up if they don't know. She was murdered. Yeah, so St. Maria Goretti lived in um, early 1900s in Italy. And she was murdered by a family friend, Alessandro Serenelli. All right. 
and murdered. Alessandro was a, a troubled person from birth, literally. So story goes that his mother tried to drown him when he was a baby because um, she was mentally unstable and anyway and uh, his she went to an insane asylum Alessandro's brother also went to that same as- asylum where he actually died so I mean it was, it was pretty troubled he, he had a traumatic childhood and then you know yeah and right. he, he, he killed her he murdered her and it's horrible. They they lived in a city where the uh, the vast majority of the population was just working really hard every day, right? For a landowner, and so there was a lot of time. Like for example, Maria's dad was a hard working man and didn't uh, spend much time with her. Uh, she was out working even, and so Alessandro and Maria would end up spending a lot of time together on the fields or whatever. They got to know each other, and anyway, he as he got older, when he was uh, in fact sixteen, and she was no, he was twenty when the murder happened. But before that, they started to uh, spend time together. He found her attractive. She was a younger girl. Um, anyway, he tried to uh, convince her. Yeah. To uh, let's say have. I don't know. Have intercourse? Yeah. How do you say it on air? Yeah. In a way that's polite. Yeah. She said no. So he came back again and said, no, this is happening or else, and shows her a, a ice pick. And then he stabs her 14 times. And murders her. With an ice pick. And as she's being murdered, she forgives him. Yes. Right? Yeah, she starts praying. Starts praying and forgives him. And he just keeps stabbing her. Um, now... That is a horribly sad story. However, immediately, news of Maria's holiness and martyrdom spread, and so devotion to her spread very quickly. She became one of the most loved saints of uh, the 20th century for sure. But Alessandro Serenelli... Um, okay, so now we're, you know, that's it's all weird. Now we're getting into the weird part. Yeah, yeah, so he... Weirder. So he uh, he was sentenced to 30 years in prison, okay? And at his trial, he blamed Maria for his own death, claiming that actually she was the one trying to entice him, okay? And uh, I don't know how that makes any sense. They didn't believe him. Well, anyway, one night, six years into his prison sentence, Maria appeared to Alessandro. There's an apparition of St. Maria Goretti appeared to In him, prison. In prison. Wow. Holding 14 white flowers. Whoa. She was stabbed 14 times. And then handed them to him one by one. Wow. And he understood this to be a gesture of forgiveness. Like, I'm giving this to you. I'm forgiving you for each stab wound, right? Now, until that moment, he was not repentant, not remorseful. Again, blamed her for the whole thing. Well, at this moment, this apparition, he became quite repentant of what he did and the rest of his prentice uh, now if you can imagine the person you killed appearing to you for giving you know it was pretty impactful spent the rest of his time in prison another 24 years in repentance you know learning how to pray learn reconnecting with his faith um in fact <clears throat> they let him out three years early because of how great of a man he became during that time of repentance in prison and shortly after 
he was released. He goes to Maria's mother, who's still alive, to ask for forgiveness. And from that day on, she actually took him in as like a like in her heart as like a son. Wow. So she forgave him and took him as a son. So, yeah, this is like beyond like miraculous, right? These are things you can't make up. Correct. I mean, he murders this beautiful young lady who's faithful, prays for him as he's murdering her. Okay. Mm -hmm. She appears to him in prison. He has a conversion, right? Repents, Mm -hmm. then goes and repents to Maria's mother when he gets out of prison, right? Yeah. And lives like this saintly life till the day he dies. Yeah. So soon after that, he, uh, he becomes a Franciscan friar. Wow. And talk about redemption. Yeah. You go from murdering someone and, 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 and Eden, it, isn't he like considered like a, a candidate for sainthood? Yeah. So they're pushing the cause for his canonization because he became known for his holiness in the monastery. Um, he died in 1970 <clears throat> and, uh, you know, they've already have all of his stuff ready to go for relics. Like he was known to be a holy man. So at Maria's canonization mass, him and Maria's mother sat together for the mass in the ceremony for her canonization. That's nuts. <laughs> like, think about that, man. Like, th- and think about, I wonder if Mar- is Maria's mother a saint? Uh, no, I don't think her cause has been open, but I mean, certainly saintly virtue and forgiving. Talk about saintly virtue. Like, I don't. Like, I hope I'm never in that position. I mean, she was a little girl. I forget how old Maria was when she She's died. She's like 13 was, or yeah, something? Yeah, like barely, you know, formed as a woman. Yeah. Um, now, his uh, journal that he kept, his spiritual journal, which was found after, is um, is is a saintly piece of writing. You can, you can find it. You can read it. But in it, he talks about <clears throat> his desire that everyone follows the way of Christ. Um, he talks about... Obviously, the, his journey with forgiving himself for, for finding forgiveness in Christ. But really, all he wanted in life was that people come to know Jesus and follow him and come mm-hmm. into a relationship with him. And so he wrote about that in his last will and testament. Uh, so you can find it. He died at the age of 80. And here's a little quote from that. Um, So looking at my past, I recognize in my early youth, I followed a false road, an evil path that led to my ruin. Mm. Um, And he talks about how he got there. Now, this is good for every parent to hear, but through the content of printed magazines, immoral shows, and bad examples in the media. Now, this is back in early 1900s. I saw the majority of young people of my day following evil without even thinking twice, and I did the same thing. Wow. And he says, there were faithful Christians all around me, but I paid no attention to them. I was blinded by my brute impulses that pushed me down the wrong way of living. Hmm. Wow, I need that quote. That's a good quote. I mean, this was like early 1900s. This is before so much media. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> but he, he, hmm. he attributes to that. And then look, he got, he got a big, long, silent retreat in prison. Like, you're going on retreat today. He had a long time to reflect. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And... uh so anyway, and he, he ends it with, um, resigned, I atoned for my sin. Little Maria was truly my light, my protectress. With her help, I served those 27 years in prison well. And when society accepted me back among its members, I tried to live honestly. 
And then his, his closing lines, May all who read this letter of mine desire to follow the blessed teaching of avoiding evil and following the good. May all who believe with the faith of little children that religion, which its precepts is not something one can do without. So, anyway. Wow. That is uh, just a strange story, mm. <laughs> you know, but it needs to be told a thousand times. Mm. So tell it today. Tell it to whoever's in your life today. Tell them the story of Alessandro Serenelli. Um, of course, the Saint, story of St. Mary Goretti being told every July 6th, which is a feast day. We celebrated yesterday. Right. But uh, tell the story of Alessandro, who's Maria's son in the faith, really. I mean, like she gave birth to his conversion wow. by her own death, by her own accepting the cross of Christ. She became the mother of, of his eternal life. And she's, she is a saint. I mean, they're, yeah, she's canonized. Yeah. Uh, pretty powerful. Like I said, like my first knowledge of her was a church named after her. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. there's a whole church. Like what, who is, and started reading about her. What year did she die? 19, hmm. can't remember, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's just kind of wild, um, her story. And how much good can come out of, um, you know, uh, bad, like evil, you know? Uh, she was, she was murdered 1902. Mm-hmm. At the age of 11. 11, yeah. Oh my goodness. Crazy. Yeah, and I mean, look, uh, the burden that's light, for whatever reason, by the Lord's plan, he chose to give this yoke of martyrdom to a young girl at 11, and only he knows why, right? Like, I'm sure his parents, it was a burden too too heavy to bear at the moment. But then as her mom sat at her canonization mass with the man who murdered her, the joy and the peace and the rest that she felt in that moment from the Lord um, and now forever in, in eternity, that they're all together, all three of them. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes it only makes sense uh, later, but... Some 250,000 mm-hmm. people were at her canonization. This little 11-year-old poor peasant girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? Uh, her beatification was in 1947. Um, wow. Her mother was 82 years old at the time. Uh, so, and her canonization was three years later. So, um, and yeah, um, her murderer was at her canonization. Yeah. How crazy is that? Mm hmm. Wow. Well, there's hope for all of us. There is, you know, there is, um, that, it's but the, it's the good news to be yoked to Christ, like Alejandro would tell us. Alessandro. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, good show, man. Yeah. Good to be back. You it know? is. Yeah. Um, everyone listening on the podcast, feel free to share it. Thanks for being a part of the show. If you haven't gotten the book yet, holygrit.org, or just go to Amazon. Book's flying off the shelf. Man. Flying. It's a good book. Get it. Speaking of saints, it's got it going on, you know? And next show, talk about an Advent journal. It's coming out. What? Yeah, dude. Anyway, great being with you. Thanks to KLFT Radio and Acadiana, everyone listening here locally in the beautiful God country of South Louisiana. <laughs> we'll be back next week. God bless. Uh-huh.